But maybe that's a good platform, a, a sobering platform to bring us to what we're going to be dealing with today because we shouldn't be playing games with our faith. This is not political. This is not um, uh, 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 some kind of frivolous competitive sport. Um, this is life and death and eternity that we're dealing with, that we are ambassadors of here in the earth. And I, I want to really challenge you with something. If I can just, I guess I can because I've got the microphone. I was going to say if I can take time to do so, I've got the mic. When does football season start? Officially? Are we talking about college or are we talking about professional? Okay. So football season is here. And there are a whole lot of people that wear the jersey, turn on the channel and watch. There's people that get out there at the stadium and facilitate what's getting ready to go on the stadium. There's people that not just yesterday, but years in advance began suiting up in a uniform and getting out on a field and stumbling along and learning how, which direction the ball is supposed to travel down the field and what they're supposed to do in relationship to that ball. You know, am I supposed to be stopping that ball from advancing or am I supposed to be helping it advance in this situation? Am I on offense or am I on defense, right? And there are people out on the field that have spent years preparing themselves, developing the stamina, developing the, the muscle mass to be able to facilitate that game. They have, they have trained their brain to have certain muscle reflexes and responses at, at, at just lightning speed notice that I need to do this when I see this so that I can be in the right place in order to stop that ball from advancing or in order to in, in facilitate it, right? There's a whole lot more people that are just fine with sitting back in the recliner or on the couch and watching the game, and they can tell you exactly what should have happened or what, and they'll be shouting at the TV and throwing the popcorn or what. I don't know what they're throwing nacho chips or something, but just really get stirred up about what's going on in the game. But they're in the recliner sitting over there watching, and okay, most of us are there, all right? Um, there's a lot of things about not football because I can't claim that one, but there are sports that I did participate in which this brain still thinks I know what to do, but these legs tell me you can't do that anymore, you know? That memory is uh, down there. The, the ability to carry it out is not there anymore. But I, I want to speak to you concerning the kingdom of God and what we're doing. There is a whole lot of people that know that we're in season with regards to the kingdom of God. And the whole lot of people that have an opinion about how things ought to go. But what really needs to happen in the kingdom of God is there's people who have equipped themselves, prepared themselves, trained like an athlete, haven't been okay with saying it hurts and haven't been okay with saying I'm too tired and they're not okay with saying I want someone else to do it. But are we a people that are saying I'm willing, I'm ready, coach put me in the game, I want to take the field. Jesus said, the harvest is, is, is uh, the, the fields are white unto harvest. There's, a, there's the old song, you know, you know, my table is, how, I don't remember how it goes, but my table is full, but my fields are empty. You know? To be honest, if we raised a hand and said, how many of you would love to receive a blessing from the Lord? We all would. I do. 
I want to receive a blessing from the Lord. I want to receive anything that God intended for me. If God put a, a present under the tree that's got my name on it, I don't want to leave it there and say, God, I, I, I want to be in false humility and say, no, Lord, I just want to be holy. No, if God's got something for me, I, I want it. If the Lord is has uh, uh, designated a certain level of anointing to minister on his behalf, I I want it. I want to flow there. I want to be involved with that. If God's got something planned and somebody else is experiencing that, I will tell you I will become jealous over that. I mean, hopefully not in a sinful kind of jealousy, but a righteous jealousy. If God, if you could do that for them, why can't you do that for me? I want that too. I want to experience that. Um, I went to, we went to a church down in Florida. We were on the way to the beach on a Sunday, but decided to stop at a church on the way to the beach. Am I allowed to admit that? That's okay, right? This was Florida, okay? So we were taking our family out to the beach, but had planned to stop by this church we'd never been to before. We walked in the back of the church incognito. Nobody who knew who we were. We didn't announce who we were or anything like that. And the, the, uh, the lady preacher, there were a husband and wife team there, but the lady preacher looked back there and she said, you are a minister of the Lord. <laughs> she said, and she said, but you don't like leftovers, do you? And I knew exactly what she was talking about. I don't like, I, I love to hear stories about the Lord's done, but I'm not content with just that if god is intending to do something if god wants to do something i want to experience it too i just can i just if can i share jealousy with you today can i just let you know that i i want all of us to be jealous of that type of thing if it's something the lord wants to accomplish or something the lord can do through us let's get jealous about it lord here i am use me does that feel unspiritual to say be jealous? That's a righteous jealousy. God, use us. Use us. But we're in a raging battle. There's warfare going around us all over the place. There's a war for the souls of mankind. And what we need is not people that are going to be in the church and squabble about puny little things, but people are saying, Lord, here am I. Send me. Use me, Lord. Use me for your glory. I'm not just a spectator. I don't just have an opinion. Lord, I've got a vested interest in what's going on. I've shod my feet. I'm not supposed to be getting into the armor of God yet, but I'm equipped, Lord. I'm ready for battle today. I've, the, the time that I have spent learning about you, the time that I have spent in the Word, and the time that I'm, that I'm committing myself to dedicate from this day forward, Lord, equip me for works of service in your kingdom. Amen? If I don't move along, we're not going to get to Ephesians chapter 6. I've already backed myself up into a corner with regards to time. So even though there's an hour, I don't plan on dragging you through that because Scott posted something about a chicken getting you know, distressed about time in service. Uh, some of y'all missed that. <clears throat> okay, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. We've, we've already passed this, so we're going to read through two verses, and then we're going to focus on, chapter, I mean, on verse 12. Uh, finally, he says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. This is the NIV version. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. We already talked about that. And I just want to emphasize again, 
We can sit there and focus on the words that say, be strong and in his mighty and his power. Yes, there's an emphasis on the power of God in that situation. But let me just say, the reason why we can be strong is because we're in the Lord. It's not by how much we know. It's not by who we know. It's not because we're forceful in our character and in our nature. It's because we're in him. That's what gives us the, op- the, the authority to act on his behalf. And then he says, put on the armor of God so that you will be able to take a stand. That is with preparation. You're equipped. You're standing up. I'm ready to go into battle. I'm ready. You're taking a stand against the devil's schemes. The word for schemes there are the devil's methods, the devil's practices, the things that the the devil implements that he uses in order to ensnare, to entrap, or to destroy people. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Verse 12 is what we're going to focus on. And we have been several weeks since we did the last teachings, and I haven't been able to get here. The Lord keeps, has taken me on a few different tangents. Today I feel a peace about going forward. Verse 12 says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. And then he goes on and says, Therefore put on the armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. And we'll stop right there. So we're going to go back here and start with verse 12. And I'm going to go, depending on what version or what translation of the Bible you're reading, because some of these words, there are some overlap in the meaning that they're dealing with. Some of the words may be placed like the word rulers may be placed in a different position in your translation that may be in mine. They may be speaking of a, a similar thing, so the way that they're parsing out the words, the way that they are defining the words may be different. But I'm going to go through some of the Greek words that are explained here or are being used here so that we can have an understanding of this. And uh, um, before we even go there, um, I'm going to read to you from Matthew chapter chapter uh, 28 because I think this is an important foundation to start from because a lot of times here's 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 my concern a lot of times we start talking about the enemy we start talking about the power of Satan and for a young believer sometime even for someone who has been with the Lord for a long time it can become intimidating and it can become oh my goodness you know we're focused on the enemy and we're makes me scared and oh my goodness what what's going to go on but I don't want that to be our heart today because he's already told us that he wants us to be prepared. We need to be equipped against the schemes of the enemy. The enemy's, one of the enemy's greatest tools against us is fear, fear of death, fear of a health crisis, fear of financial crisis, fear of somebody else's opinion about us, fear of man. And so the enemy uses fear against us. Whenever we start talking about the enemy, sometimes it will stir up fear inside of us. So let's start at a good place in Matthew chapter 28, and verse 18, and this is after the resurrection when Jesus is getting ready to go up into heaven. In verse 18, he says, And Jesus came to them and said, All authority has been given to me 
on, on, in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So I wanted to go back and just read that because Jesus unequivocally said, all authority has been given to me. There is no question as to who is seated on the throne. There is no question as to who reigns the universe. This dualistic perspective that's out there, the yin and the yang, the evil and the good somehow being balanced out is completely a lie. It is a distortion of truth. It is not the truth. There is no question as to who rules and who reigns. There, it's already determined who's going to be on the throne through the, in the eternity's future. There was never a question as to who was on the throne in eternity past. Even today, there's no question on who's on the throne. But we are in a segment of time where, there, where man is in the earth and the enemy is working his best to try to deceive and steal the potential future that God has destined mankind for. So he's trying to take that away from us. The battle is not between Satan and God. It's Satan trying to destroy the hearts of mankind, trying to steal the minds of mankind, trying to take away your future. What your destiny, what God has provided for you and the people around us. Therefore, when we come to a knowledge of the truth and we obey what Jesus said and we step not only, not in our authority or our wisdom or our understanding in our own strength or even force of our personality, but when we step into his authority in Christ, we're able to become a repeater of his authority into the earth and begin proclaiming things and setting things in order and helping to break the chains off of people. <sighs> there is a remedy to the problem of mankind. It's Jesus Christ. Um, where's Mike Lewis? Mike Lewis and some of, some of the rest of you may have. How many of you have worked in the pharmaceutical industry? Eric, um, one of the things that, that I've heard in conversation was, you know, there's generic drugs, there's regular drugs. You've got uh, a basic chemical formula that they found that may be helpful to people with these certain type of circumstances or situations or diagnosis. And so they come up with something in the lab that they know affects that circumstance or situation. But then there's another dilemma the dilemma is what is the carrier or the delivery device for that drug to the individual, okay? There are people that are much smarter in this than I am, okay? But I'm going to give you the gist of it, okay? I'm going to give you what I got. The delivery device, is it something that needs to be in a tablet? Is it something that needs to be in a, I'm hearing voices. Is it something that needs to be in a capsule form? Is it something that needs to be in an aerosol, uh, uh, what do you call it, psh, inhaler or something like that? Uh, one of those psh things. If it's in one of those kind of things, what's the best method for getting it into the system of the person that has the need? And there are times when the, after a certain amount of protected time for the drug passes that there are other companies that will pick up that same chemical substance and will market it in a generic form for cheaper. Sometimes it's just as good as, but there are sometimes that their carrier system or the method they use may not allow it to 
affect the system the way the original did. Did I do all right with that? Okay. <clears throat> so if there is a remedy for man's condition, what can influence that is the fact that we have been made the carrier or the delivery system for that message. And if there's a flaw in the delivery system, what people receive may cause what they should be getting as a remedy to be less effective in them because we're abrasive in our nature and how we deliver it, or perhaps we are not delivering with the same type of punch, or we are hesitant, and maybe sometimes the message doesn't even get through with the delivery device doesn't work because it's inferior. So we, rather than following the prompt of the Holy Spirit, we just hold back and don't even deliver. There's no problem with the cure but if the delivery system doesn't work it's a mute point i don't like the fact that this week that we lost a young life to drug addiction i don't like the fact that we lost someone to a drug overdose He heard the word, he was preached the word, he's been told the truth, he made a bad decision. We can't go back and fix that. Now, his mom said that she had a dream, and in her dream she said that she saw Jesus reach out and take him by the hand and said, come on, brother, and Jesus took him into heaven. There's no testimony that came out of his mouth, nothing that was said where he made a declaration, but we don't know what happened in the last moments of his life. He did know what the truth was. In the conversations that had gone on before that, he had not acknowledged the Lord, except for when he was a real small child, and I don't want to get into the theological debate, but he did go down in vacation Bible school. His testimony later in life was contrary to that, but he knew the truth. And so we trust that somehow God was able to intervene in ways that we may not be knowledgeable about while we're living here on the earth. We do know that that dream brought comfort to his mom. But I don't want to see another one. I don't like having to bury young people. And I don't like having to, I don't, there are some times where people die in the Lord and there's peace about it. You know, they've gone into eternity and they able to, we're able to rest because we know that they're at rest. But we're seeing way too many people fall before they know the Lord. And uh, this is not a game that we're a part of. We are the delivery device. We need to make sure that the message is getting through. Amen? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Husbands, you can elbow your wives. Wives, you can elbow your husband and say, it wasn't you after all. It, it really isn't that neighbor, and it really isn't that boss or that employee. It really isn't that family member that you're struggling against. There may be influences and attitudes and things like that that are being demonstrated, but we're not fighting against flesh and blood. That's not where our battle is. We sure can't get stirred up about it, though, can't we? We, we sure can get upset and just, I can, I, yes, Cecile gets on to me for talking to traffic just like they can hear me. Yeah, they can? Oh, so it does work. 
Well, I hate to, li- I don't want to miss being the delivery device then, but I'll tell them what they're supposed to be doing and, you know, they can't hear me, but they're not the problem, you know. Well, I don't know. <laughs> we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But it sure is easy to get an attitude stirred up that that attitude, I'm preaching to myself, you know the attitude can make us ineffective before we even have the opportunity to affect them. It causes us to withdraw. The other night at, at the funeral home, you know, I'm, I'm all preacher suited up, you know, I'm, I'm ready to, got my portfolio with me got the tie and the suit on when i come to church in a suit and tie people say is it a wedding or is it a funeral but i was there dressed up like a preacher and and uh i'm standing there and across the hall from me maybe about this far away there were three people standing there and they were young adults they had to be early 20s and they're standing there and they had a lot of different piercings that i wouldn't have and different things attached to their body that i wouldn't have and they're standing over there, and I can tell you this far away without there being any conversation, there was a tension, and that was strange to me. I could sense a tension, and I don't know if there was, uh, maybe if they, you know, sometimes people will project that, and a lot of times, they, you know, you've heard the old saying that hurting people hurt people, and generally when people put up a wall, a protective wall like that, it's because they're injured on the inside, and so they create a space, you're not going to hurt me, but there was this tension there. And there was two guys and a, and a young lady, and uh, she was kind of partially tucked, almost like shyly back behind the two guys. I don't know why I'm having to do my arm like that to talk about it. But uh, I went, I just decided, I'm not having it. I'm not having it. So I just walked over and I said, hey, I said, I'm David. I said, uh, what uh, relationship are you to the family? And they said, well, we're, I won't identify them because I'm going to leave them vague. But they identified their kind of distant family members. Um, and I said, so where are you from? And they just, conversation just started. And the two guys, you know, they just uh, almost couldn't believe somebody was talking to them. And then there was that young lady who was tucked back behind. I think she tucked back behind a little bit more. <laughs> she was backing away. I don't know if she knew how to t- take me. But I don't know if she ever talked to a preacher before. But uh, I reached over and shook her. I wouldn't let her get away. I reached back there and took her by the hand and talked to her too and draw, drew her into the conversation. But it was just really interesting to me because there was that shell and that barrier, that separation there. That it, it felt tangible. Do you know what I mean? You ever felt that? It felt tangible. But I feel like the Spirit of the Lord prompted me not to allow that to stand. It was almost an offense to the Spirit of the Lord that there should be that barrier. And so I felt like I had to step through it, and it was the easiest thing to break through as long as I didn't allow that intimidation kind of thing to happen. These were just young people, okay? But I want us to be mindful of the fact when the enemy tries to put a barrier between us and the people that have a need. When somebody speaks differently or speaks about different things that aren't really a part of our conversation rather than seeing that as an attempt to be offensive towards us you know we've got these these flags around here that when sometimes we're worshiping the flags come out you know what are you doing you're signaling i'm worshiping the lord i'm making a demonstration of who he is and i'm you know we're putting it out there when somebody comes and their conversation, their demeanor, their dress is like a flag waving in front of you that I've got a need, 
don't be offended by the fact that their language might be have you know a fewer letters than sometimes they're speaking what's normal to them and they are demonstrating that they may not be in the right relationship with the lord but rather than allowing that to be offensive to us who know the Lord, why doesn't it draw us into the conversation and let us know that there's somebody that needs what we have? You know, our, our polished religious armor is not what we're really looking for. It's better to have some nicks and dents. and If you're going to have armor, use it. Wear it well. Take it into battle. Let's get some people free. Uh, yes, I'm doing this to myself. So let's go on to this next passage here. It says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. The people are not the problem. They may be caustic. They may be offensive. They may rub you wrong and everything like that. But they may just be your mission field. Amen? So if they're waving the banner and letting you know that they have a need, then be a delivery device. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. There are, uh, this is going to be really challenging, but there's four different Greek words here that I'd like for us to be able to, to touch on and in introducing this, um, this is going to be really hard for me to get through everything that we have. But can we just start out with this? And we, for the most part, all know this. But can I go back in and just be foundational with this? In Genesis, we're taught that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It comes not too far from there. We get down to Genesis chapter 3. And we already see that there is opposition to God's plan. We know who that opposition was. We know that Satan appeared in the form of a serpent in the garden and deceived Adam and Eve into uh, taking part of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil when God had prescribed to them the only restriction that they had in the garden was do not eat of this tree. The whole paradise and in effect the whole earth is yours to rule over and to maintain and to, to be the husbandman of. Don't eat of this one tree. If they'd just taken a long walk in a different direction, <laughs> away from the tree, but what is it that's captivating about the one sinful thing? That the only thing that they weren't allowed to do was the very thing that they did. Why? Because the devil pointed them towards it. He is not your friend. If the enemy dangles some golden carrot in front of you or some it wasn't an apple by the way so let's give the apple a break that tree if if the devil dangles some golden thing in front of you or some let's say gilded thing in front of you to be more precise it looks great it shines it, it's fancy um it doesn't, okay, it doesn't matter if it is a relationship outside of your relationship. It doesn't matter if that sweet young thing is, is paying you attention or that handsome man will talk to you and your husband won't. It doesn't matter if it's, 
If that's inside or outside of marriage, if it is pre-marriage, you shouldn't be involved in such a way that you're involved in a sinful relationship. It doesn't matter if it's the greatest deal that brings the, the, the fastest wealth to you, if it is deceitful, deceptive, or if it is wrong, don't get involved with it. Let me tell you, there's no gilded apple or gilded fruit that the enemy's ever going to get. Uh, give to you that's not going to have some kind of poison and death assigned to it. It's infected. Everything that the enemy does, the father of lies does, is infused with either, he's either stealing, he's killing, or he's destroying. So don't fall for the snares of the enemy. They fell. So from that time on, and rapidly, all of a sudden, we see this this uh, snowballing effect of the sin in their lives. Their very sons, there's murder involved there. And then by the time we get to Genesis chapter 6, we're seeing the, how sin has infused itself into the lives until you come to the guy who's just, he's, he's joking about or, or gloating in the fact that he killed someone because they hurt his feelings. And sinfulness was pervasive throughout society. But in all of this, the enemy is working to try to Keep mankind from fulfilling the destiny that God created us for, which was in, in uh, Genesis chapter 128, where it says, let us make man in our image. That was God's plan. We're supposed to be reflecting his nature. We are, we, we are um, repeaters of his nature in the earth, that we're doing good, that we're establishing his kingdom, that we're maintaining his kingdom in the earth. We saw that Jesus, if Jesus had to deal with it, don't you think that maybe we had to deal with it? That before Jesus started his ministry and the Holy Spirit carried him out into the wilderness, soak on that one for a little bit. The Holy Spirit took him out there where he had to face the enemy. And the enemy uh, said, look, you've been out here 40 days. I, I know you're hungry. You got all this power, you know, this authority. Why don't you just turn some of those stones into bread? Lust of the flesh. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm hungry. I haven't been 40 days, but I know what hunger feels like. If I keep talking about food, I might lose you. <clears throat> it's just been breakfast. Um, but he says, look, there's the stones. Why don't you just turn to bread? You've got all this authority and all this power. You're, if you're the son of God, just do that. Man should not live by bread alone. Don't use the authority and power that you've done for your own personal gain. He turns around and said, look. And I, I, I would go back and read it just so you're getting specific. I encourage you to go look at this. But he said, look, all, all the authority here has been given to me of these kingdoms. He said, if you'll just worship me, I'll give it to you. There is an area where the enemy is able to exert authority in the earth. It's subservient to the rule of God. There's layers here that may be difficult for some of you to get a hold of first glimpse. But Jesus said, no, you don't bow your knee to anybody but the Lord Almighty. And then he comes back and he challenges him again. And uh, all of a sudden, my mind's gone blank. What was the third thing that he challenged him to do? Oh, go up on the pinnacle of the temple. My mind, he carried him up on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said, look, you're, you're, you're so important. If you were to cast yourself off, God's not going to let you die. God's going to catch you. Just go ahead and jump off. And every time, every time the enemy challenged him, 
Jesus, founded in the Word, responded back with Scripture. Why? It carries the authority of heaven. When we're challenged, this is, why, this is, this is really, um, I really strongly want to point this out. I really strongly can't emphasize enough. But believers, we need to know God's Word. Okay? Read it cover to cover. Then, then as you're reading it cover to cover, let God highlight things to you, put things in your spirit. When God prompts you to memorize a scripture, memorize a scripture because it may be overwhelming to think that from cover to cover, that's too much for me to know. Okay, it is overwhelming. But I'm going to tell you, when you read through it, the Holy Spirit can draw from that arsenal at a time of need. You may not even remember the scripture, but all of a sudden there'll be a prompt. And wait a minute, wasn't there a story about... And then you can Google search it and be right there. Or you can memorize it and have it right in your spirit where the Lord can, can uh, apply it to your life. We've got to know God's word so we know the authority that we're standing in. If we don't know his word, we're like a ship without a rudder. We're a ship without a you know, canoe without a paddle. How do we know? We're just being blown around by every thought that sounds good and every preacher that's got a good word or every, some, every impulse. There's a storm coming. Oh, my. What are we going to do? We're going to trust God. We're going to pray about it. We're going to fortify. And we're going to stand. This is just another storm. Jesus in the boat. Peace be still. What are you so worried about? It's just a storm. There's more here that I that I just I, I'm, I uh, let's start with this first word. In the NIV, it says we struggle. The word there is wrestle. It is the same type of word. You could put it in judo terms. The real word right here is like it's a wrestling match. The the it's describing a type of wrestling match where the intent is for one person to be able to beat the other by throwing them down. So we're in a struggle where the enemy is attempting to throw us down, to embarrass us, to make us look like we're not strong enough, to make us look like we uh, are not who we say that we are, or who that this, even the Word says we are. His attempt is to throw us down and demoralize us, to make a mockery of us. But if we got the right perspective on it, we understand that it, uh, a, a fight's a two-way street, that God's got us involved in something where He wants us to be able to throw the enemy down. So let's, let's spend some time with the Word. The literal word here is the word arche. Okay, and, and when you go back and you're studying these things, it's, um, it's not the easiest thing for me to teach because it's multi-layered, but the position RK speaks of a, a place of prominence or a position. Uh, the word can be translated a first place or the one of prominence. Um, a principality, it speaks of rule. This word's difficult for me to pronounce, but a magistracy. That sounds strange. Like you think of a magistrate as one who has authority, right? But some, but the area that that magistrate is able to make um, um, uh, rulership over is a magistracy. It's the territory that they are that is that is ruling over. And so, 
the scripture is saying that we are, are fighting against, we are in a wrestling match with this type of rulership. There are authorities or powers in place that we're having to deal with. I don't know how that strikes you. It shouldn't intimidate us. It should, it should embolden us. Number one, we already saw where Jesus said, all authority has been given me in heaven and in earth. Therefore, go. Go and make disciples. There's some really powerful scriptures out there. Can we just really quickly run through a couple? Let's go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 36. Y'all put your running shoes on because we're going to hit several things here. If you're taking notes, you can take notes. But Romans 8 and 36. And in some of these passages that we're going to read, you'll find that the same passages delineate different areas of, of spiritual authority that we're wrestling with. And these different passages will repeat the same things over and over again. But... Um, Paul says in Romans 8 and 38, says, I'm convinced that neither life nor death nor angels or demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus and Lord. So he's making a statement here. He said, look, these arche, these rulers, they can't separate us from the love of, love of God. If we will keep our faith in the Lord, if we will stand, no matter what is brought against us, no matter what we have to wrestle against, they cannot separate us from the love of God. Look at 1 Corinthians 15 and 24. 1 Corinthians 15 and 24. Verse 24 says, Then the end will come, and he will hand over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority and power he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet the last enemy to be destroyed will be death it's interesting when you read that passage it says that he must reign so jesus is reigning but he says there's enemies that must be suppressed must be destroyed right so that's what i'm talking about the layers of authority here jesus defeated the power of the enemy but we still see that the enemy is still at work in the earth. There's still influence out there that's trying to influence people for evil. So and let's put this into a context. The context that works for me, that helps me to be able to communicate this, is if you think of what was D-Day, what was the date of D-Day? Sorry? June 6th. We celebrate that. June the 16th, they stormed the beaches of Normandy, uh, the allies went in there. There were advanced forces that went in the night before. Everything had been planned and set in place. And then there was the, 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 that day and the continuing days broke the back of the enemy's power. Uh, the impenetrable, impenetrable defenses that were there were overrun. And at that point, it became this flood of allied troops that were moving up and through fighting skirmishes and battling and, and, and battling. And having battles that were driving back the enemy to, to go back and, and to completely obliterate the, the Nazi regime. But if we had had D-Day and that landing and got beyond the defense system and, and then all of a sudden we'd stopped and said, isn't it wonderful? We have beaten the enemy. We had a victory. But we had never, even though there was not the funding, even though there was never another tank or military armament, never, no shot were fired by the enemy, even though the cannon never again sounded out across the battlefield, if we had stopped and had not pursued and displaced the enemy, do you think the mindset of the enemy would have changed? 
We may have overpowered them in might, but there had to be a routing of the enemy. It had to be a changing of the mindset in the, in the area where the enemy had been in control. You get that? In the same way, Jesus may have won on the cross of Calvary. He may have shown his power and authority over every work of the enemy. But there's still layers of authority in the earth where there are influencing principalities and powers in place. Arche, there are, are territories where for, there are ancient principalities of the enemy, where the enemy has reigned in this area for a really long time and has control over the hearts and minds of people. Unless the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, can get in there and undo that control of the enemy, that enemy will continue exerting control over that area. So there are positions of authority. There are, I'm going to try to say it again, magistracies. It's a strange word to me. Magistracies of power that are in place in the earth that until the gospel comes in there and sheds light into that dark place, that power is still that influence is still being waged over those people there's all kinds of good let's uh ephesians chapter one this is key we got to go back there it's thematic for ephesians chapter six paul already laid a foundation for it so let's go to ephesians chapter one and we're going to look at um okay we're going to go back to oh i love all of this can we go back to 18 i Paul's earnestly praying for the believers, and he says, I pray that the eyes of your, un that your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you are called, that, to which he has called you, the riches of his glory inheritance in the saints, glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. <sighs> There's hope. There's an inheritance, there's power, and then he comes back and says, that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand, at his right hand in heavenly realms, far above all rule, you see that? Authority, power, and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but in the one to come. That same word, arche, is right there in that listing, far above all rule. Every authority structure that's been put in place, God, Jesus had been given preeminence over that. The old, the, the ancient strongholds of the enemy, this is not really news to us, but it needs to be freshened in us because we do face opposition. And we may not get the fact, because the enemy is an intimidator, we may not get the fact that the authority has been given in us to be able to challenge strongholds of the enemy, whether it's just the minds of men or whether it's the strongholds of rulership that the enemy exerts over people. Do we have the authority to challenge the enemy on a broader scale, to take authority over things, to go as light into a dark place? We do. Look at Ephesians chapter 3 and 10. Now, this is one that that the Lord's really been working on me with. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10. His intent is that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to rulers, arche. Through the church, he's making a demonstration, a declaration to the arche, the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm. So... 
the gospel of Jesus Christ, the transformation that has happened in our lives, the authorization that has come from him as we walk as his representatives in the earth, as we go into our workplaces, as we interact with people who are in places of influence in the world, as we go into the school systems, as we're involved in the banking systems, and instead of doing something on a shady way or in an unrighteous kind of way, we choose to do things by the book, God's way, where we honor him, that begin, becomes a demonstration to authorities. Well, we've always done it this way. It's always been this way. It, it can be a subversive spiritual power or just a method of practice that's in place. But because we challenge that by our own righteous behavior and the way we live our lives and the way our conversation is and we take light into that darkness, it challenges those principalities and power. And according to Ephesians chapter 3, 10, we're educating. It's not just mankind. This is an unusual thing to be. But it's like the, the authority of Jesus Christ being exerted through our lives challenges and even educates the arche that God's in charge, that Jesus is in charge. It's not the old way of doing things anymore. The Lord is here. There's Colossians chapter 1, 16. Let's flip over there. Colossians chapter 1 and 16. He is the image of the invisible, the firstborn over all creation. If he's the firstborn, it means there's another birth coming, right? We're following him. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. The intention was that every position of authority in the spiritual realm should have been in place for him. But because of what, what the enemy initiated, that there was a corruption of that, and there are principalities that are in place that are not in line with that. And those things have to be demolished and torn down. We can't be okay with just having had a D-Day at Calvary. We've got to be willing to march into countries that have never heard the gospel, where people are still being held in darkness and blindness, whether it's in Lukama or Wilson or Elm City or... Bangladesh or wherever it is around the world that they need to be challenged. They need to be made aware of the fact that Jesus is Lord. Let's flip over because we're right there to Colossians 2 and 10. There's a lot more scriptures I could be sharing and you know I don't have time to go through all that. Okay? Verse 9 says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is head over every power and authority. So Jesus has been given fullness. It's all under him. But we have to exert authority over the enemy. I've preached before and talked about the fact that how, how Goliath was over there on that hill shouting insults against the Lord and the whole army of Israel was over here on the other hill, and they spent, I think it was, I can't remember, it was 30 or 40 days, and they're talking about what they're doing over there, and they're kind of holding the lines and not allowing there to be, there's not a battle happening, but the enemy's over there shouting insults that all the children of Israel are hearing, and they're sitting there talking about the enemy, but not really doing something about the enemy until this little boy who keeps sheep comes along, and he says, who's letting that guy do that? Why is that allowed to continue? He shouldn't be allowed to say those things about our God. And he's willing to go out there with just what's familiar to him. He didn't have some big arsenal of weapons. He didn't have 
a howitzer cannon or some kind of drone that shoots things out of the sky. All he had was a sling and a stone, five stones, a sling and, a, and five stones. And he's like, I don't know everything, but I do know what I have worked with before. And it worked for me back then. I'm, I believe God can get it to use, can, can, can use it to, to work today. So I'm saying that for this. Don't allow the enemy to disarm you to say you don't know enough about Scripture to use you. Don't say, I'm not educated like this person or that person, so therefore I need to be sidelined and wait for somebody else. It may just be that the one verse you know, for God so loved the world. <laughs> the one verse that you do know, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Maybe just the thing that's needed to be able to demolish the stronghold of the enemy in somebody's life. That one seed that you have may be the very seed that's needed to set somebody free. So trust what the Holy Spirit has done in advance in you to equip you for what today is calling for. All David had was just a little old sling and five stones, but he took down the giant. Why? Because he was willing. There's a lot of people that can recognize that there's difficulties out there in society. We can see that there's strongholds that are keeping people under, under control that they can't break free from that they may be being destroyed in their mind. And, and I'm, I'm fighting a stronghold myself. I'll clarify that so that you don't, the rumor mill doesn't start. But, but it's so easy to live with a stronghold because it's so familiar. You think it's normal, but it's not normal if it's out of line with God's Word. So here's my stronghold that I've been wrestling with. <clears throat> Every day, I remember being in, was it Crystal City that's right there near D.C.? Do y'all know Crystal City? Is that right? Okay, Crystal City is right near D.C. I remember taking the uh, subway, yeah, the underground. Is that what it's called? I remember getting on there to go to D.C. I was in college, and I remember being in there, and there was a, we were, uh, uh, you know, college kids from Emanuel, and, and we were getting ready to go over to D.C., and and we're in there, and all of a sudden, this guy came by. And I would say that I don't know what was going on, but I really do know what was going on because when he came out, there was nothing but vile filth that came out of his mouth. It was as though a, a putrid stench just came by with regards to attitude. He was cursing. He, there was a, he, he called a young lady who was with us a a very vile and deriding name as he went by her, not even knowing her at all, but everybody that he passed, it was just spewing out this putrefaction over them in curse words and vulgarity and things like that. And I'm like, what was that? And the immediate thought was, it's demonic. You know, there's something attached to him that is just causing this to flow out of him. And... Uh, um, I don't know how you are or what your experience is, but I don't really get excited when I think about having to deal with demonic spirits and things like that. <laughs> what, are, what are we going to do today, Lord? Okay, yeah. Oh, let's get started. I don't, that's not something that I just relish that I look forward to. But the Lord challenged me on that and said, if I brought someone to you that was infirm and told you that I was going to heal them, would you be excited about that? Yeah, let's do it. Let's go for it. You know, that would be exciting to be able to see that. And the Lord said, well, why 
would you hold back when somebody is struggling with demonic possession or demonic control? They're in a stronghold and they need to be free. Why would you be more apprehensive about the one than the other? And uh, it's really been challenging me over the last few weeks. I'm like, well, if you look at this, the, the life and ministry of Jesus, they were hand in hand. He healed all the sick. He delivered people from demonic possess- possession. He set people free. It was just, Jesus didn't get all worked up about it or concerned about it. It was just a part of the ministry. When he sent out the disciples, the same thing happened. They were amazed that even demons came out. It wasn't a part of ministry. But don't you think that maybe the enemy may have put just a little bit of seed of thought in our minds to intimidate us, to stop us from being willing to deal with things that still need to be dealt with, that are still under the authority of the believer? I think maybe, you know, we're not supposed to be chasing that and that being our focus. There, there are, um, what's interesting to me when it comes to deliverance and things like that, people were, are more fascinated with the demonstration of the enemy than they are the deliverance where someone gets set free. They want to hear, so what happened? What happened? Well, the person got set free. And we shouldn't be gloating in all the other things, um, it's about the demonstration of the authority and power of God. And, and, you know, we explain away a lot of things. I know that there's all kinds of physical things. There are emotional things. That, but, but we really need to be discerning about what are, what's spiritual, what be, needs to be dealt with spiritually. Even Jesus knew when to pray for someone that was, that was physically ill. And then he knew when to take authority over something that may have been a mute spirit or, or, or other type of things that may have been manifesting in a physical kind of way but they were of a spiritual nature. The cause, the root was, was, uh, was spiritual. All right, I got through arche, but there's three other words. Lord, a lot of the words are used. Can I, can I just, I'm going to define these things. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time. But there's some good information out there that you can get a hold of to read up on, on these things. I, don't, I do not feel like, the body of Christ at large has a great understanding of this area. And uh, there's another word. We've talked about RK. There's another one that's called exousia. That word is the power to act at will. The power to act at will. The word's used for Jesus, that Jesus had the power to act at will. But it's also used of the enemy having been given authority to act at will. Let's... Uh, Again, some of the, there's overlap in some of the terminology and some of the ways it can be defined. But do you know that someone, by their activities, by their decisions, by their own personal determinations, can give the enemy the right to be able to act at will in their life? It's almost like you, buy an, uh, you create a soft place or open the door where you've decided you're going to allow the enemy to be operational in your life. It, there are things that could be easy to pick on, like getting involved in witchcraft. You're opening a door for the enemy to be involved in your life. Getting involved in perversion. You're opening a door for the enemy to have a soft spot where he can get in and, and affect your life. But there are other things. Even prejudice can do that. Um, uh, getting involved in, in corrupt business dealings or things like that with your finance. Uh, uh, if someone... Uh, creates a soft place in their relationship. Perhaps they're married and they start confiding in another person all the difficulties that they're having in their marriage. They start conveying to a coworker, you know, 
well, my husband doesn't talk to me the way that you talk to me, or my wife doesn't share with me the way you share with me. And all of a sudden, it's a, it's a subtlety, but it creates a soft spot that can become a vulnerability where the enemy can, can act at will because you flung the door open and said, come on in. And the deception, one of the deceptions of the enemy, because the human will in this area, paired together with the authority of Christ, is so powerful in stopping the work of the enemy. Did you get that? There's an authority that's from Christ, but then the human will in shutting down the vulnerabilities is so vitally important. We need to stop allowing the enemy. There's scriptures that I, I, I cannot... Some of the scriptures that I have down here are actually mirroring scriptures that we just read. So you can go back and read some of those scriptures if you wrote them down. I'm not going to take any more time with that, but I do want to... There's a, a word here, cosmocratorus, cratorus. Um, and if you go look that up and it's pronounced differently, then go with that. I'm going to just say it real authoritative so you think that's the way you pronounce it. But it really means, you know... Cosmo Kratoros. It is, it's referred to, it's, it's translated uh, the powers of this dark world. Sometimes, like uh, one version used the word rulers there, but it literally is powers of this dark world. And, and if I could define this, this is a, an influencing uh, spirit. The, the, the cosmos is the word that's used for the world. But it's, it's, there are several words that define the world. This is more like an atmosphere or a prevailing thought pattern or an environment that's being created. The word, of, of course, kratoros, literally is, is, has to do with, uh, with, there's a creation or the developing of an atmosphere, the developing of a mindset that opens the door for demonic activity in this sense, that we wrestle with this. We have to wrestle with uh, uh, spiritual forces that are creating a mindset or an atmosphere that's pe keeping people under control. There, you can go, if, you, if you've traveled to other areas, you can go to different areas, and I've talked about this, so I won't spend time with it, but you go into certain areas and all of a sudden you can sense a shift in the spirit. You can go to places and know that it's more lasciviousness in this area. You can go to an area and realize that there is a, a hostile tension. It feels like violence could happen in this place. You can go to a place and know that there are certain behaviors that are tolerated in this place, and a lot of times you can sense it in your spirit that there are certain things tolerated here that, that you may not be familiar with for where you come from. Well, there has been an environment created there, a space created, cosmos kratoris has been spaded, uh, which it can, it begins in the spirit realm, but the intent is to ensnare the minds of men and create an atmosphere or a, a place where this, this uh, principality is able to rule over people and keep a control over their minds. There's certain places where you can go where prejudice is much stronger than it is in other places. You know, um, you can name certain states in our union and you know, we talk about California. You think about California, and, and some people think about the uh, climate that's out there and the beautiful scenery and things like that. Some people think about the perversion that's in certain places. If you say San Francisco, it, there's certain things that pop to mind. Why? Because they've created an atmosphere. It's a spiritual thing that's in place, but really even the government has pro provided that space 
for the enemy to do certain things. Uh, Oregon has got things going on. Uh, uh, Colorado, you know. But mankind can open the door for the enemy to come in and create strongholds in areas. We can legalize things and make a stronghold. The influencer of the environment, the influencer of the, the, the space, and our commission, according to the scripture we're reading today, is that we should be wrestling against this. We should be fighting against these things. We should be taking a stand against these things. Can I just... Which direction should the football be going? Are we supposed to be on defense? Are we supposed to be on offense? Offense. Jesus didn't leave us here in the earth to get backed into a corner. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples everywhere you go. There's one last thing. Pneumatikos. Metikos is the word for spiritual beings. We're wrestling against spiritual beings. It's not just mankind that we're wrestling with. It's against spiritual forces. There's good spiritual forces. We know this. But there's also evil spiritual forces. And the scripture says that we are wrestling against those spiritual forces. It's, it's a battle that we're fighting. Can I just go back? We're... we're I've preached for a long time today, but let's go back and, and I want to read Paul's words to us. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord. It is not God's desire that any of us should be enslaved to, that we should live out our lives in bondage to, that our minds should be controlled by, that we live under the delusion that it comes from, that in any way that we be hindered from God's purpose and plan for our lives. His pattern should not be hindered in any way by any of these type of spiritual forces. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the relationship with the Lord. You know, when you're strong in, the relation, in your relationship with the Lord, just the very presence of the Almighty with you not only creates a force against the enemy, but stirs in us a conflict we recognize when something is just not right. You recognize the counterfeit because we're in him. If someone were to come and tell me something about my wife, there she is, hey, honey, that was contrary to her nature that I've, I've experienced for the last many years with her, if, I, if they told me something was contrary, I'm like, mm-mm, that's not my wife. Either there was something unusual happened, but that is out of character for her. Why? Because I know her. I've walked with her. Matter of fact, in some areas, I start to think like she does because our relationship has influenced me. Even when I begin to do something that I know she doesn't like, even if I persist in it, I still know whether or not she didn't like it or not. Didn't fold the towel the right way. You know, that, even a trivial thing like that, you know, it doesn't fit right if you fold it that way. You've got to fold it this way to make it fit because we've been in a relationship together. If you are in Christ... It's not just about knowing what displeases him and trying to root that out of our lives, but it's, it's really about becoming to do the things that he desires done and be, becoming that, that um, delivery device and becoming that repeater of the signal 
so that the message does not stop with us, but it's, it's carried throughout the world. How many people can we take with us into eternity? I've got a measured amount of years, but Lord, you know I want that recliner or I need that fancy kind of car. What will we spend our time with? If God put in our hands this measure of authority, this measure of power, and when I'm saying measure, I'm not limiting it, I'm expanding it, okay? But when God gave us this measure of authority and power to be able to act in the earth, are we going to spend it on our own selfish desires to make sure my needs are met and I'm okay and mine are okay? Or are we going to extend the kingdom of God? God can take care of everything that we need. But I'm, 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 I hate to say it, but I'm going to say it. I think a lot of believers are so captivated with making sure that they're okay and don't I'm going to eat what's on the table in front of me and be satisfied and full, but I don't really care about what's out there in the field. Hurt me some more. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in, the, and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand. It's not defensive, it's offensive. Against the devil's schemes, the gates of hell will not prevail against them. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. If we don't, by declaring God's word, if we don't, by talking to that person that's ensnared, if we don't demolish the strongholds of the enemy, then people will not be free. But God can change the flesh and blood that it seems like we're fighting against. God can penetrate the most the hardened heart. <sighs> Lord, Lord, would you anoint us afresh with heaven's fire, dear God? Would you pour that holy oil all over us again, dear God? Make us holy and blameless in your sight, dear God, and equip us, dear God, Truly, Lord, there's authority in your word, your God, and, and that heaven's passion, your Lord, is to see the drug, drug addicts set free and not just falling back into their, their filth, your God, and then their ensnarement. And God, surely your passion is to see the lost souls come to you and to live eternity in your presence, oh God. And truly, your God, you desire to have a people, your Lord, that will walk in this earth as you did, your God, and be the delivery device for the good news of your kingdom, your Lord, that remedy that sets people free. God, help us not to fall asleep into lethargy, your Lord, and to stumble back into being comfortable and being settled because I've done my time and I don't feel, because I've, I have the remedy for myself and I'm safe from that, that deadly disease of sin, Lord, because I've got my remedy, then I, it, I, I can just kind of rest now and I don't have to fight. God, raise up some people that will fight. Who will go for me? Here am I, Lord. Send me. But God, that's a little intimidating. Their language isn't like mine. and they're, They don't look like I do. They don't look like the people I come from. Who will go from me? 
The fields are white unto harvest. We all know that if they stay like that too long, they end up bowing over and the seed is lost. Who will go for me? Here I am, Lord, send me. Let me put fresh coals on the altar, dear Lord. God, would you use us to break away the chains, dear God, to wash them, dear Lord, so that they can be clean. God, use us as conveyors of your good news to a lost and dying world. Even though they're brash and braggadocious and seem like they've got it all figured out, even though they look like they're rebellious and and repelling us, and God, may we be willing to absorb offense in order to share your truth. Help us to reach those that we can reach, dear Lord. I read a passage in Ezekiel this week that really challenged me. God was bringing judgment on the nation of Israel, and he was describing this through Ezekiel and talking about it. And we know there was a lot of immorality, a lot of perversion that was going on and things like that, but God called Six, there were six men that came forward. They looked like men, and they had in their hands devastating, a devastating weapon, destructive weapon in their hands. And then he brought one forward that was a writer, had a writer's pouch on the side. And he told, God told that writer to take the pen, the marker, I don't remember what term was used there, but to go and start at the temple in Jerusalem. And he said, mark the foreheads of those who weep for the nation. Weep because of the sinfulness. Those who weep for the lost. Go mark them on the forehead. And you know, Israel was in great rebellion. I mean, there was terrible things going on in that nation during this time. Mark those who, who still weep. And he said, and then he sent, after the, the, the writer had finished doing that, he said, and then he sent the sixth with the destructive weapon. He said, and go and destroy all of those who do not have the mark, beginning at the temple. And you know, we're talking about a rebellious Israel. We're talking about a rebellious Israel. And it said he started with the 70 leaders, the Sanhedrin. The leaders of Israel started with them and then moved throughout the city. These destroyers went out. We don't like to hear about destruction and judgment like that. But can I just say this? Body of Christ, because we've tasted of the good things of the kingdom, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be weeping for those that are still lost. We should be passionate for souls the way Jesus was. These disciples who followed him and followed in his footsteps and uh, 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 were influenced by his character and nature and they adopted that passion that Jesus had. They didn't spend away their lives in some kind of relaxed environment. They, They saw the importance of the message they had to the point to where they gave their lives for it. Are we still passionate for people that are lost? Are we 
Do we acknowledge it and we're just, well, if they don't put forth effort to make a decision, then we're just kind of, it's a shame. And we just let them go. Lord, help us to be passionate about those that you came and gave your life for. Now, I'm, would y'all stand with me? I feel like I've already prayed, but... I'm going to ask you for this. Just as a way of affirming, as a way of making a, a fresh commitment to the Lord. I want to ask you this. People of God, if something struck you today and you're willing to make a commitment, Lord, I am not willing to just be a spectator. God, I want to take the field. Lord, I, I don't know how to do everything. I don't know everything. But, Lord, I'm willing to do what you tell me to do. God, would you use me to help bring souls into your kingdom? Lord, would you help me to demolish the strongholds that are keeping people in bondage? Would you just raise your hand where you are and make a fresh commitment? Lord, here I am. Send me. Use me. Find a way to put me into active service for you. Father, you've seen the raised hands in this place, Lord, and I know, God, you have weapons at your disposal right here, dear God. Not to destroy men, dear God, but to destroy the works of the enemy. Set people free. God, I pray, Lord, that you would use us, strategically position us in places of need, in relationship with people, casual relationship, dear Lord, deep relationships, family members, Lord, but make us keenly aware, Lord, put some kind of spiritual spotlight on people that have need, your God, so that we can't even break away from the conversation. We have to turn around in our car because you point them out to us. But, Lord, that you let us know that here is your mission. Your life, your life right now is, exists to be able to speak to this person. This is your mission. And, God, those that you bring into your kingdom, would you help us be wise to disciple them, your Lord? so that they can grow up to be effective transport delivery devices, dear God, that we would be repeaters of your signal. And God, that we would be active in the earth for you. Lord, we give you all praise and all glory, dear God. Thank you for what you've begun in us. God, may we be able to just rejoice with you, with you when we see fruit coming, dear God, when we see people coming into your kingdom people coming into relationship with you, dear God. And may we be filled with the same kind of joy that you have in your heart. We can look at our children, we can look at our grandchildren, dear God, and we can just bubble on the inside because we love them. God, help us to have your heart for everyone that comes to know you. It's not a number. God, they're sons and daughters. And Lord, we'll give you the praise and the glorify. Be glorified, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.